So today we're talking about movement variability and a bunch of other fitness jargon that relates to movement variability. And we'll even get into Bill's least favorite words. Uh, this, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so about 20% of you aren't subscribed to the podcast yet. So please remember to do that. Like, comment, subscribe. Commenting helps us greatly. Share this podcast and on YouTube uh, with, with your friends if you feel like they'll enjoy it. And then leave us a comment if you can think of other things you want to talk about. Thanks. <laughs> I sufficiently feel like I sold my soul enough. Welcome to Reconsider. I'm Bill Hartman. This is the podcast to challenge you to ask better questions, to look beyond traditional models of thinking and arrive at better health and fitness solutions. <laughs> so, okay. So the things that we had initially listed were cardio okay. and anaerobic training was one of them. Okay. That's reasonable. Uh, and then we had why your outcomes won't stick mm -mm. ouchie and then func functional training which is yeah yeah that's the f word core core training mm. i'll have to look in the anatomy books for that one i'm not really sure what that based approaches aren't all approaches movement based <laughs> yeah unless you're done <laughs> what kind of crap is that the, uh, the approach that has you ice cold in, in a coffin six feet under, that's not, that's not movement-based anymore. Oh, my gosh. This will be useful. Jargon can be useful. It cuts to the chase. It saves time until it's not useful because then it becomes meaningless. And that, like, the, the more something gets used, the further away from its original meaning it is. And then it just becomes a bunch of, like, catchphrases and things so people can sound a certain way. That's not helpful. Yeah. Well, it allows people to have it, it. It's the illusion of a shared language because it's you, everyone in the room starts talking about mobility training or core training. And <laughs> five of the people are thinking of different things, but they're all agreeing upon different right. things at the same time. And then it's, it's just a it's very big strange. mess. It's very yeah. strange. It is right. very Cause it's like, oh, uh, you and I think the core training is important, but we actually consider core training completely different, a completely different thing. I don't even consider it. How about that? Well, there you go. Yeah. But, but the, the thing is you, if you, someone says that to you and brings it up to you, unless you're going to correct unless you're going to correct them right away, you're going to know where they're coming from. Right. Well, I just ask questions. Yeah. Right. So that's how for anybody like, OK, so I have I have people that come to see me from all over the place and and they will use dirty words all the time. I don't pass judgment on them because I kind of know where it's coming from. Right. They've just read enough things and they hear the same words repeated. So they start to repeat the same words because they want to appear to understand or they want to feel that they understand themselves. Right. They want to be comfortable with it. And so so they think that I use that terminology. Therefore, they will use that terminology with me. And the reality is, it's like I just got to keep asking them questions until I figure out what they they understand or what they think they understand. Yeah. Right. And then 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 you can have the, the clarifying conversation until then. Who knows what it means? Right. Because it's the 
the whole thing about the jargon is there isn't any sort of standard to it. It's not like a language that has pretty set rules, but people treat it as such. So it's, it's like, if you go to visit, you go to visit France or something like that, and you want to use the French that you've learned and you go into like a coffee shop, you can like kind of get your way through it. But at the end, you're kind of annoying them. All, all I can do, Chris, is I can get to the library. Yeah. That's that's the only phrase that I can remember from two years of French. Is, French, yeah. Je voudrais étudier à la bibliothèque, right? It's like I would like to study. la biblioteca. That's Spanish. I would like to study at the at the library. Uh, I think that's I think that's what I said. I'm not really sure. Um, I've, well, I've, someone anyone that knows French can. Well, I have, leave I, a, I, a I have a French mentee. I have a French mentee for for a while, and uh, no, we'll uh, she go. would help me a little bit with my with my French. So let's let's run with let's run with this jargon thing. Let's talk about okay. let's talk about let's talk about we'll let, we'll actually let's try to list your naughty words for people to oh, actually okay. see. Oh, can remember off the top of. I can't head. remember off the top of my head, but if you bring them up, I can tell you. If it's, if it's well, for sure, one of well, them is function. The T word, the N word, and the F word, like right off the bat, like those are the. Those are yeah, yeah. So um, what was it? And people think that they they know what the dirty words are now, but but we got to actually. I actually do. I have to say them out loud because it makes me a little sick to my stomach. Oh, and we can throw up a list. Yeah, we're gonna. You can just. Yeah, I mean, we we should we should kind of we've referenced it. And people certainly know that, you know, the word functional is a triggering word for you. Yeah. Like so it's, you know, the functional and uh, I can't remember all of them anymore. See if this resonates with you. You want to get back to the gym and get in shape. Maybe get back to playing golf or your favorite sport or get out and go for a run. Maybe you just want to move and feel better. But every time you restart, that old ache or strain rears its ugly head and interrupts your comeback. When I wrote All Gain No Pain for my patients who had completed their physical therapy, we knew what they were ready for. You're in a different space with a different starting point than before. You don't feel like a physical therapy patient, so you're gonna to need to approach this differently. With some guidance, you'll first need to reconstruct your movement foundation that takes your physical structure into consideration. You're going to have ongoing questions as you think differently, so you're going to need a like-minded, supportive community to support your progression. If you're ready to begin your reconstruction, we have a new group starting soon. There's core, there's neutral, there's dysfunction, um, tissue quality. Um, did I say I said neutral, right? Yeah, you said neutral already. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm old. I, for, I literally forgot that I had already said said neutral. Um, well, you're trying to like mentally disassociate from having to say them out loud. See, so. I, I, yeah, I, I do. I do. I just stay away from the use because they they've just become unnecessary and, and not helpful because again right. they, they mean uh, they can either mean a million things to a lot of people or they mean nothing and and again we want to use we want to use terminology that's helpful right that that has some consistency in it in its in its meaning versus like okay if you first of all all movement all movement has intention whether you know it or not there is an intention associated with it. Therefore, it doesn't require any qualifier. It is just movement, right? To say something is functional or non-functional is not helpful because it is a movement. What we need to understand is, is 
what was the intention? How is that useful? Um, and, and versus branding something as as again, it's 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 a qualifier that that doesn't help. It doesn't mean anything. Therefore, um, I don't I don't like it. It doesn't doesn't move us forward in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think the biggest problem comes from like that last part you're talking about when it doesn't when it's not useful and it doesn't help when it's not moving anything forward and it's sort of just it's just there for the sake of like the words so right. you you have you have people it, even if so even if we don't like a certain word or we think it's like silly or we're tired of how it's being used if everyone that's in the conversation understands it from that context it might be the best word to use uh, but if it's just confusing for all the people involved and it's not going to give you the outcome that you're looking for, or it's going to take you longer to get to the outcome you're looking for, then it's really not going to be useful. It's like tremendous amount of information on Google, uh, about their, you know, glute amnesia or their, yeah, their, their glute, then their glutes are, are asleep or their glutes are off. <laughs> yeah. And that's the reason why they have back pain is because they, they need better glute activation. And they're going to find a lot of articles to support this. And they're going to find a lot of people that do these things and have all of these like stories about how the back pain went away once they just started doing hip bridges and stuff like that. But it's like, then those people use that terminology going forward for for everything else, and that's where it sort of becomes confusing. Well, then they become they become defaults as solutions, and and that's typically not the case because what you end up seeing is is you rarely see the alternative represented where oh I did all that stuff and I got worse because that's what yeah. I see. Yeah. That's what I see clinically. I see that. I don't see the people that, that, okay, because there, there are situations where maybe driving more external rotation through the system provides a symptomatic relief. Yeah. And there are also situations where that will magnify the, the problem. And, and, and thus is the, the, this issue with what is presented. Um, it, because rarely do people show the failures. So again, we just have to be, um, a little bit more particular in how we would present these things, right? I like having a meaning for it. I would hazard to guess that that people would would brand something as a dysfunctional movement. It's just it's just a movement that that was the undesired effect. But from the system's perspective, it was solving the problem in the best way possible under that circumstance. Right. So that maybe they didn't have an alternative and therefore it wasn't the desired outcome, but it was the only one that could be arrived at under the situation. Right. But that doesn't make it dysfunctional. It just means that that was the one solution that they had. Right. You can't use the same solution under every circumstance that tends to be problematic. That's a lot of reasons why people do run into to difficulty. It's not that, that it's dysfunctional. It just means that the one that you have available isn't the right one. You need more options. We establish more options. We tend to have more favorable outcomes. Right. Yeah. And it's the like the principle that 
every organic system works under is trying to, it'll try to find the path of least resistance. And in a lot of cases, given the constraints of the system, that path of least resistance, if it's the same every single time, there's going to come become some, there's going to come some point of failure from doing it that way. Right. Instead of having like these, uh, I don't know, we're getting into the jargon territory again, but when people talked about like movement variability or adaptability, it's right. like you being able to get to the, you being able to get to the same outcome of variety of different ways using similar patterns and behaviors, but not the exact same patterns or behaviors. Right. Because right. that's, yeah, this, when, I mean, this, this is what, like, a, a, yeah, movement variability as a, as a, a representation is that's an accurate term. As long as you understand how how um, we we arrive at that, um, which means that that the there's a consistency of outcome through various means. So, for instance, uh, a baseball pitcher, a very high level, highly skilled baseball pitcher, will have a release point for for a pitch that is relatively consistent relatively consistent, even though there may be small adjustments. So, so think about every pitch, the, the, the shape of the mound that they're pitching off of is different. It's a different shape because they drag dirt this way and that way. They're walking on it. They're stepping on it. So there's always different starting conditions, but they're adaptable enough. They have enough variation. They have enough options available so that they can be consistent with their release point. For normal human beings, um, imagine um, getting in your car in the dark. So you're you're in a dark parking lot. You drop your keys on the the floorboard of the car. You pick them up, and you immediately land into the ignition. Right? It's not a place that you would typically bring your keys from into the ignition, but your brain knows where the ignition is, and so it solves the problem um, rather amazingly well, and and you will land almost instantly in the ignition of the car it's it's one of those really cool things about being human right um it's uh playing a musical instrument is is along the same lines where there's just these infinitely small variations in your ability to access movements and positions that end with a re resultant that is consistently um accurate which is it's just really cool to to read about that. This is uh, this is Nikolai Bernstein's like repetition without repetition, right? It's the statement with being exactly saying you can never reproduce. Here you go. Um, um, good posture is on the kind of dirty words list. It's like if there was such a thing as a good posture, you could never perform it twice. Like as a human being, the way our the way our movement capabilities work. It's like you can't reproduce the exact same movement. We can we can do things that look very much alike, but they are never exactly the same. You know, so so again, we can't we can't be chasing one singular ideal. What we want to do is we want to have options available to us that allow us to achieve a consistency in behavior, but rather than an exactness, not chasing the one, but chasing the many. So if you have the many, you have all. And if you have all, then you have no no limitations in your capabilities within whatever the constraints of the system should allow. Right. right. So it, it so provides you having, you know, creating the potential to then proceed towards your outcome 
through a variety of ways. Right. That's it's what like the variability would mean. Yeah. yeah. So, so it can be useful. It can be useful. But if you're just saying, oh, we need to just like reestablish movement variability, that's kind of vague. Right. right. Or if the strategies that you're using to move are just a bunch of crappy outside of your base of support uh, movement behaviors, it's just going to add more as... <laughs> And what they would say in the in the jargon world is they're you're adding strength to dysfunction. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Exactly. So like what what they would what what they what I think they mean is that you're you're taking you're taking a strategy that's put you in a position of pain and you're just continuing to do it and adding load to it in the hopes that that will somehow get you uh past the the point of failure. By strengthening the concern, and the concern under that that circumstance would be a, a reinforcement that narrows the capabilities into a, a um, movement or position that would be less desirable based on the outcome. Right. Okay. Because yeah. you're, you're not you're not getting there in an efficient, and I guess not even just from an efficiency standpoint, but from just the point of like repeatability. So if you if you have an outcome that you need to frequently attain the the cost of the, the cost of doing the actions needed to get to the outcome you need to not like outweigh your ability to progress or do it again. I think we went there for the jargon. Well then we stayed yeah. and we stayed for the and we stayed for the concern over what it actually means and how valuable it is. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, it's an important topic and I don't think we've, we've talked about things that are relevant to movement variability, but I don't think we've specifically sort of dug into like what it is, what there even is to reconsider. Cause it's, are we asking, are we asking people to reconsider just using jargon? Maybe, maybe we're asking people to try to get a better understanding of what that jargon even means instead of yeah. just like I, I don't want to I don't want to deter people from from using jargon because like I said jargon is purposeful and useful when 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 it's effective it's it's just the to pick on industry standards it's very easy to enter certain industries it's very easy to pick up on some of the jargon without having any depth of understanding of what what it initially meant, where it was initially potentially useful. But then it just becomes something that that loses its meaning because the people that are using it don't understand why they're saying it. Right. Right. Yeah, I think it's, that's it's I lost around. I think that's the big problem. Yeah, so that's how do you, it's like, when you're trying to create a filter for yourself, it's, it's kind of comes back to the whole, like the whole concept of learning to ask better questions. And it's when, when you're, when you're looking for the intent of whatever you're talking about. So in, in the fitness world, in the health performance and fitness world, those are the outcomes you're seeking. They have to do something with performance or health or fitness. So when you're talking about these things, those are always going to be the intentions of that thing that you're talking about.
but you have to you have to kind of ask like well what what is the intent of this specific thing so like we're talking about like glued activation and if it's just like well the intent of glued activation is to activate the glutes that's not that's not a that's not a, <laughs> that's not a completed concept right but that's where people are like that's they're like oh well you know they this is the people that talk yeah, what they're talking about yeah they talk about the yeah. The the royal they like the, oh well they say that it's important to activate your glutes, and that that might be the that might be the very surface level understanding that anyone has of a certain thing, and then that's what they end up using when they get into a conversation about anything in that health, performance, and fitness world with anyone yeah. else. They're just like oh well, like do you, do you activate your glutes? Yes. Well, we all know that it is the solution for knee pain, right? Yeah, well, it's the solution for a lot of different things, depending on where you look. Right. It's like, oh, you have weak glutes. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You have. You can't activate your glutes. Yes, you can. <laughs> right. It's yeah, all a matter of when a muscle is inactive, you're dead. Uh, like you have some type of neuro. You have some type of neurological. Then it would certainly be. It certainly be incapable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah, you can have that. Those are just. Those are just positions of of in context right that right. determine what behavior would be available under the circumstance and you're yeah. just trying to impact that right but that's again that that just becomes more of the reductionist viewpoint too and that that becomes interference right? well yeah let's talk a little bit about that like why having a structural reductionist perspective is not typically the best way to to solve a problem it's not the best way to solve a problem but but it's the easiest way for people to to try to understand something and feel some measure of certainty because then you can blame something right and if you can blame something there's a solution that feels good right because if you say oh you have weak glutes make glutes stronger problem solved but that's yeah. not the but that's the unfortunate thing is it's not the reality, right? That's where we run into, that's where we run into problems. And again, that becomes very, for lack of a better term, jargony, right? It's like, okay, then it becomes, oh, you need glute activation. Oh, you need to strengthen your glutes. It's like, it always becomes this thing, right? As if there's a part of you that works separately from everything else at any time. Right. Not really, not really possible. Yeah, and I find myself talking about this a lot in these podcasts, but that like looking past what might be actually happening or looking, trying to figure out what might actually be happening when someone's doing something, that whole like counterfactual idea is something that I think has been very useful for me and I think would be very useful for many people to try to use when it's like, well, if they are saying that glute activation fixes ankle, knee, hip, lower back hip flexor issues just like magically doing glute exercises what is it about these exercises that everyone's doing that's making these things better like that's the that's the level of questioning that doesn't exist for a lot of people they just hear something is good and then they want to try that thing and it either works and they start singing the praises of doing lateral band walks <laughs> they they think it's stupid. They give up on it and they try to jump on the next jargony bandwagon. Right. So then, well, all they, of a sudden, it, yeah. this goes back to this goes back to 
you know, continuing to evolve your understanding, learning more, gaining more perspectives. It's like, why can you and I have this conversation? Like if, if this was our first year in the industry, we wouldn't have this conversation. We would say, what glute activity do you do that, that, that works the best for your clients? Like that would be the conversation that we're having versus saying like, okay, we, we really don't want to look at this from the reductionist viewpoint. We want to look at this from a much, much broader scope. We want to say, well, what are the influences? How would this activity be more effective under the circumstances? What are the secondary consequences? That's the conversation that you and I can have. Right. Whereas, again, somebody that just got their 30 day certification looks good in a tank top and then just starts working with people and they're doing the, you know, the same exercises that they took off the Internet from someone else's blog so they can put it in their blog. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're just they're literally just giving people the program that they do for themselves and then thinking like, well, this works for me. Yeah, that's usually how people start is, they, is, is that whatever I did must be effective because I liked it and, and I look the way that I wanted to look or I had an outcome that I wanted to have. So that must be good for everyone. Now, the hope, yeah, is, yeah. the hope is that you evolve from that. Like, I'm, that's a huge I'm, problem in the, just the personal training and fitness industry in general is that people. Yeah, but that's, that's why the mentorship model uh, is, is so important in, right. in all of these types of industries. Yeah. And unfortunately on the consumer end, they're going to have to experience some failures with seeking out the trainers that just look the part. Right. Yeah. But like, if, if you look the part and you're a really nice person and then you understand a little bit about sales and marketing, you probably do pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you probably would lose a fair number of clients, but you're going to gain a fair number of clients as well. Right. And then you treat somebody nicely. And they appreciate that. And that's, that's a big part of, that's a big part of the service business. Now that's way off topic, but. Right. Well, that this kind of what this episode is sort of doing, right? Is this a potpourri? Kind of, potpourri. Kind of running all over the place. Well, it becomes, a, it's a difficult thing for me at the end because I have to figure out like what to call this. Because we, we initially started just going over the, all of the, the topics that I had written down early on. And then it was we just like a bunch of. Right. It's a little bunch of jargon. Short topics. We could just do short topics. Yeah, right. I mean, we're we're going over like the the bad. So what what have we taught? We've we've talked about dysfunction. We've talked about um, movement based approaches. We've talked about variability. We talked about very movement variability, uh, like what that actually means. I guess what what we're doing is we're taking all these sort of jargony things and we're trying to get down to boil it down to what people actually mean when they're saying it and what they're trying to talk about. Cause it, like Bill saying again, it's not that like we're saying that we're above using these words or that anyone that uses these words is are stupid or something like that. It's just, you can, you can communicate in a way that's, a little more, I guess, objective when it comes to this stuff. And it based on like intentions and outcomes. Because yeah. that's, that's going to be if, if the end goal of having these conversations and talking using these words is to achieve a certain outcome, everyone should try to get there in as few steps as possible. And with as little secondary consequences and negative consequences as possible. And in order to do that, there can't be a certain level of confusion when talking about it. 
because right. there's too many mistakes that will be made in the in the preliminary period because of this of uh, communication breakdown. Right. Yeah. So what um or the other what so neutral we could talk about <laughs> talk about what neutral means a, a whole... fixed point in space where everything is neutral. Okay. So. So let's use something that we, that we mentioned before to eliminate neutral spine as a remote possibility. Okay. Yeah. So if let's just say Nikolai Bernstein is correct. Okay. Repetition without repetition can't reproduce the same, same position, can't reproduce the same movement more than once. Right. Which would imply that, okay, having to chase an ideal. So neutral spine is supposed to be this one safe place or this one ideal place or this one place that is somehow represented as and 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 somehow we can do this visually consistently, which I find even more difficult. Um, it, so let's just say that that there there is a place that is this place. Chances are you might be able to do it once in your entire lifetime, and then everything else becomes a variation of, right? So it, it's not it's not about chasing a place. It's about having the options available, right? So that the displacement from it's a, it's like signal versus noise it's like it's about reducing the noise in a movement to pr to produce consistencies in behavior that's that's the goal but but calling something again calling it neutral spine neutral to what under what circumstance in what context right we we know that that, that what is optimal for any variety of activities is different it's not one Right? It, trying to use one representation again across the board means that you have actually reduced your adaptability. We want to be we want to be able to absorb insults, right? Maintain some some measure actually of instability to be able to absorb these things, and then resume um, whatever said activity or position or or activity um, we were attempting before within whatever. The necessary ranges for safety, health, etc. Yeah, I think when people talk about a neutral position, I think what they mean and what they're trying to get—I mean, it's not very useful because if you try to squeeze anyone into one representation, that is the complete opposite of what the like Bill is saying, and I'm repeating, it's the complete opposite of the variability perspective. You're you're choosing one way right. to try to do everything, but it it is it does those representations of stacked joint segments and everything it's sort of the middle of the propulsive uh spectrum right right so it's it's the you know people standing with their feet symmetrical their arms by their side their heads on top of their ribs on top of their hips on top of, of their heels and they're in a neutral position that's really just being able to find the middle of this propulsive early, middle, late propulsive but phase. But it's never the same. Right. The only the only sameness is that the that the application would be perpendicular to the to the uh, contact on the earth, right? Yeah. So it's it's the it's middle propulsion, the dead find trying to find the dead center of your center of center of mass within your base of support. Like that's that's something that people should figure out a way to be able to access. But it's not where you need to live and where you need to move 
for everything. You don't need to like keep neutral. Well, there's no movement. Right, right. So you're, you're, you're giving yourself this sort of stiff representation and then you're on top of, you're trying to hold that while you do everything. So then you're like, right. you're, you're brushing you your teeth and spitting in the sink with a neutral spine and <laughs> yeah, just like why? Really, you're, like you're just trying to stay non-painful in that situation. When you get to be my right. age, just bracing and guarding. Yeah, brushing your teeth is a is a is a chore sometimes because it it doesn't feel good. <laughs> no, it, it it again it it it's, instead of having the one, the 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 goal is the many. Right, I want I want to be able to change. I want to be adaptable because very rarely, because we can't reproduce things um, perfectly, we we have to have. There has to be noise in the signal, but you just don't want this broad variation. That's what we're actually talking about. So calling it a something is just, again, it's just not necessary. It's like the goal is the adaptability. It's it's much easier. It's much easier to apply um, force to the to, to the ground or force to an implement, right? When you have the options available. So when you don't, that becomes the problem. Because then you have to use like a compensation that will produce stress and load and tension in an undesirable manner. Yeah, you're, you're using a bunch of external influences from like your muscles and this conscious efforts to squeeze yourself into this perfect position. Right, which you can't achieve. Yeah, and if you try to continue to achieve it, you're actually going to be in the way of e your ease of movement. How, how, do you, how do you even know when you're there? Yeah. Right. That's the thing. It's like, you know, oh, I try to sit up with good posture. How do you know when it's good? Like at what moment is it good? You don't know. Make sure you can move. Make sure you can move well. Yeah. My my typical representation for people, honestly, is when you breathe, where does the air go? Hmm. Well, can it go in different places? Yeah, it's well, it's like I, I usually give people the women. I usually give the the analogy of like wearing a sports bra and trying to breathe into all aspects of the sports bra or men, if they're, if they know, if they have experience wearing like a heart rate monitor or something like that. Cause if you, if you're breathing in your, your neck and your shoulders and just in your chest, you know, that you're not really in the center of your base of support. Well, variation on a thing, right? You yeah. Be able to move, just gotta be able to move it around. Right. Yeah, yeah, it should always feel like this sort of like pendulum swinging that always goes through it. You pass through this magical, neutral, centralized position, but it isn't somewhere that you can live. Like, I think but, that's the I think that's the confusing part for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, always yeah. going to be like you were saying. You, you can't, so, you, you're not going to land on it. You're not going to stay in it. There's, yeah, it's, you're just going to get, and you're going to get like, you're going to approximate it. You might, like you said, you might get it once. once. Yeah. It, like I said, it, you'll, you'll get, yeah, maybe you'll get there once in a lifetime. Who knows? Yeah. There's, and then all, like, the other, all the other times is just, it's just a matter of like getting close to that. Right. Yeah. Nobody can, I, it would be, it would be really, weird i think to be able to do the exact same thing twice right so i guess maybe we can expand on this a little bit more just the whole variability thing because we keep we keep touching back on it so we might as well just like talk about it more okay. i think sure. uh, I, I think one of the 
Because I think when you and I talk, people get lost because we're obviously they're not people are not in our heads. And the more time you and I spend together, we just end up sounding like the same person. So it's not really helpful. <laughs> it's just like it's Bill and Chris just talking about the same shit again. <laughs> I have to bleep. I have to bleep that out. Uh, delete it. Bill and Chris talking about the same old stuff. Um, but yeah, so when, when you lose movement variability, that's when you typically have people that are going to see Bill or I that have some type of recurring injury. Uh, they have some type of like tension or pain with certain movements. Uh, and they need to, they hit a point where they need to seek outside help for it. So those people we're saying have lost this variability. Less, so, there's, there's much less, there's fewer options. There's much less, much less change, right? Right. There's, it's the lack of change ability. The way I always describe it to folks is if, if I make you sit on a hard chair for five hours and I don't let you move, eventually your butt's going to start to hurt. Why does it hurt? Because it's broken? Because it's damaged? Because your glutes aren't working? No, it's just because you're putting too much pressure in one place for too long a period of time. Your your sensation recognizes that, sends a message to your brain. Your brain says, hey, uh, I noticed that there's a lack of blood flow in a certain area. Um, the, the cellular environment is starting to change in a negative way. I need you to move. And then you go like that, you fidget, and then you're fine, right? Because you're, now you're changing the, you're changing the position. It's like, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So the, then if that's, if that's the, that's the consequence, that's a negative consequence of not having a multitude of options and having variability. How do we reverse engineer that? How do we like walk that back? If someone's gotten to the point where they're multiple layers of compensation and stiffness has, has robbed them of their options. Right. How do we get, how do we reintroduce uh, these options or kind of dial back their, uh, their path to stiffness? Um, so this is where reverse engineering comes into play, right? And then from, so reverse engineering is just working backwards from where they are. So at one point in time, they had a point A, that's where they started. Where they represent themselves now is point B. What we have to do is understand where point B is. And then we can understand based on, on the constraints of the system, which is structure, behaviors, what the potential options are under the circumstance, what behaviors that, that they use. So there's, there's, it's a multifactorial uh, influence under the circumstance, but we can sort of construct what point B looks like based on um, physical structure, like I said, we, we have a, a general representation of where they would have started. And then we understand the tendencies of those structures. And so we actually just work backwards in time from where they are and progressively restore the capabilities based on how their capabilities were eliminated or reduced based on, again, structure, behaviors, et cetera. If you can, if you can establish more options as to how Right. And so somebody walks in with um, pain on the inside of their knee. Right. And if you can identify the strategy that they use in certain circumstances, 
And if you can change that strategy in any way, shape or form, so there's, there's many ways to do it. Um, that if you look, you know, through all different variations of manual therapies, there's different ways that you can wiggle this, move that, push on that activities that allow a, a different position to, to arise at, at the knee under that circumstance, they can get a symptomatic relief. There's no question about that, right? Um, people will get better in spite of what you do, right? You can do actually do something that might be considered the wrong thing, would have a good outcome associated right. with that, right? What it, what it comes down to the most, first and foremost, is, is the ability to change. There are better ways in my mind to, to do that, but there are certainly many that can end up with a desired outcome. If the desired outcome is just, I just don't want it to hurt anymore. Right? Symptomatic relief counts, right? It doesn't mean that you have, you've, you know, given them the best options under the circumstance, but it is a better option in regards to the pain response. About having worked with people in the past and I was able to help them with a different movement strategy, but maybe one that down the road would just lead to another issue. Well, yeah, the way I always compare that is like if you go to a golf instructor, you know, to help you with your golf swing and they identify a swing fault and then they give you another swing fault that solves that problem, but creates a second potential other limitation. It doesn't mean it's going to be a problem. It just means that there's another restriction or limitation in the process, but it eliminated the reasoning uh, or the reason that you were there in the first place. Right. Yeah. So that's. That that becomes a point of confusion for a lot of people too, and that's when that's going to involve that counterfactual line of thinking as well. Is that yes, we got rid of if your intention was to get rid of your right hip pain in in your backswing of your golf swing, and then I just I get you to uh, I get you to just like do a left side bend and try to keep more weight on your left foot. As you go through the swing, I've, I can, I can maybe eliminate the right hip pain, but I've just added another layer of compensation yeah. in order to, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, 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 this goes back to the, the conversation that we had is it like, it's a solution versus a trade-off, right? Yeah. We might, we might see it as a solution, but we robbed Peter to pay Paul kind of a thing. It's like, okay, we eliminated the, the 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 negative consequence that you identified i gave you another strategy which may not be again the the best choice from a long-term perspective but it solves the the, the problem acutely that might be sufficient for a lot of people yeah. that's fine let's so let's finish on let's talk about that thought to finish to wrap up here because it's mm -hmm. been a little all over the place so if you're I, I, listening if you're listening still I thought this was a completely coherent conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, I as we're filming these now, I just think of, I'm having this thought in the back of my mind, like this episode sucks. But then, like that's what I thought about the bench press episode, and it was one of the most like, well, just because we talked about bench press, I think. Well, yeah, everybody wants to bench. But yeah, so I that that idea of there's a point in a lot of people's careers when they work in a field like ours or in some type of consulting where they just want to be like the solutions person, mm -hmm. but it's more important to, to think about it from the perspective of trade-off management. 
Yeah. And like how those things are different. A solution is just like this is usually falls under the guise of like one size fits all. Everyone needs to do this particular thing. This is going to fix this. It's just sort of like direct, definitive one-to-one relationship. And managing trade-offs is there's just a variety of things going on. If you do one thing, you understand that there are three other things that are going to happen as a result. And then what are right. those three other things going to do in a feedback sense or even a feed forward sense to whatever you're trying to affect? Well, we're, only, we're always dealing with, with, with limitations on resources and then the, the constraints of the system, the constraints of the environment. And so that's why, what again that's why it's always a trade-off there's always going to be something that we would have to give up just think about anything anything favorable it's like if i want to lose weight okay i have to give up like there's a trade-off it's like if i want to lose weight get healthier that way the trade-off is you don't get to eat as much like that's that's like the like a simple way way to look at this if if i want to go to the gym and i want to make bigger muscles Okay, I have to give up time. I have to tolerate discomfort. I have to then alter behaviors that are favorable in in the uh, uh, mechanism to allow me to acquire more muscle, which means that I might have to give up social life. I might have to sleep more. I'm, again, there's always things. That, but again, a lot of these things we're, we're willing to sacrifice to, to, to get the return on investment. Doesn't make it a solution, just means that we gave up something to, to gain something in return. And that's typically what's going to happen under every circumstance. Yeah. And it's and it's having the knowledge and the experience of applying these different strategies and understanding the trade-offs that exist because of yeah, the, the speed well, based does, on the starting it, point. Yeah. yeah. It does come with experience. It, it comes, uh, that's why experience is so valuable. It's like, okay, we've been through this before. We kind of have an understanding of, of most likely, most likely, because we're always playing probabilities here, most likely what will happen under the circumstance. The greater your experience, the easier it is for you to manage those probabilities. It doesn't mean you, you won't have a bad outcome. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. It just means that you're less likely to do so. And, but again, that there's the value in time, developing filtering systems, gaining perspectives outside of where your current perspective is, and then, like I said, applying it repeatedly over time. Reconsider is sponsored by Substance Nutrition. Go to substancenutrition.com, get your neuro coffee, better coffee, better brain, and synthesis, better protein, better body. Enter the coupon code RECON, R-E-C-O-N, and get free shipping on all of your orders.